0: i do think that there is so much hidden talent inside our organizations and we don't even realize it how do you find that how do you leverage that how do you build and develop that this is what i find so interesting about the skills conversation everything that we've just been talking about the potential and impact for any one of us is huge don't conduct your analysis in isolation, because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but
1: defending the organization.
0: Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. It's a
1: good experience pays dividends down
0: the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in
1: proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. It's been Eubanks here. Welcome to We're Only Human. Looking forward to a fun conversation today. I am so, so excited to have Heidi here with me because we got a chance to meet in person a few months ago now. was We're doing an event together in New York City. We're both on a panel together, and I'm just sitting there listening to her share and thinking, I think this would be really beneficial for everybody to hear out there in podcast land. So I've invited her onto the show, and she's here alongside me. So welcome, Heidi. Good to have you.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: Absolutely. So you are the, let me take a deep breath before I read your title off here, SEP of Global HR Strategic Initiatives and Delivery Solutions for Estee Lauder. And you are, you're fun, you're funny, and you're a great HR leader all at the same time. So it's kind of a fun combination here. But before we get into the good stuff we're going to talk about today, would you take a second beyond that title and tell everybody else who you are and what you do, please?
0: Sure. So in addition to my HR job that I have and that I've been doing. I've been playing in HR for many years now, but I'm also a wife and a mother to an amazing family. And I happen to be an avid fan of hiking, biking, kayaking, and cooking. And I actually recently just got back from a dream trip, hiking the Sulcan Trail in the Peruvian Andes. Amazing. Oh
1: my goodness. I'd, I invite for me must have gotten lost in the mail somewhere maybe because that sounds oh. like an incredible kind of hike wow
0: I, I was lo- we were wondering why you didn't show up oh like my goodness
1: the bear got me no so, <laughs> all right I'll pick one of those things out of there out of all those things what do you like to cook
0: uh, so usually cooks you're either a cook or a baker mm-hmm. I'm both okay And I have such a big sweet tooth my my favorite things fall into the sugar category
1: okay Excellent. Mine too, by the way. So I found a recipe for baklava. I think it is how you pronounce it. It's like a Greek pastry stuff. And I've got all the ingredients. I'm going to be making it sometime soon. Cannot wait. I've never made it before, but... The whole family make, probably went up fighting over it. So,
0: you make sure that you send me some. That yes, we'll amazing. have to get
1: some in, into the mail up there in New York, make sure you're all set on that. Okay, cool. I'm the same, by the way. I, my wife gets so annoyed at me because she's like super scientific and precise on everything. And I'm like, oh, let's throw some of this in there. Okay, that worked out. And so, so I'm. I'm kind of that way when i cook when i bake you got to be a little more more specific but i love doing a little bit of both so
0: awesome right. Very cool. and that's funny that's exactly why it's so different right because on the baking side it is so exact and precise and cooking is just a little bit more creative and out there and i like to do a bit of both on both sides well, it's
1: this segue so i heard in the, uh, a person i respect in the space years ago said great hr people are low rules orientation like even though we have to keep the rules and make sure is keeping to the rules the best ones are not held back by them they look for ways to work around them or ways to supersede them when they can so here we go that's a perfect transition into the world of hr and work and all that good stuff so what i want to talk to you about is when you and i were together on that panel we were talking about things like reskilling the workforce using a skills-based talent strategy things like that really trying to focus on the core of skills what that means for the workforce all those kind of pieces and I would love to hear from you again. That was a while back when we had that panel, but anything that stands out to you from that session or that day overall that you think is interesting or relevant to to talk about here?
0: Sure. Well, we can talk about skills because I do think skills are really interesting. But the funny thing is, as you said, we came together to talk about skills and skilling but the underpinning and what i really walked away with was the ai component of it because that event was hosted by a kind of newer tech company that is focused in the ai space mm-hmm. and you know everyone in that room you know I, I, I think i told you this when we first met that i was asked to come speak on a panel for this event and my response was okay but why do you want me? I'm not an AI expert. Like, what the heck do I know about AI? And they said, well, I'll just come. That's going to make you super interesting. But I, what I learned that day is that nobody's really an expert in AI. We are all learning together. We all have different pieces of the puzzle and different parts of the equation and, and, and have different perspectives. But it was only when we all came together and started sharing those that we all just realized, like, wow, we're all learning this together. Love that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny that you say that because I've spoken at a couple different companies like within their, hey, we're having our HR sort of offsite and this AI stuff is blowing up and we don't know what we don't know. And so I've spoken at a couple of event, things like that this year and I have one coming up in in Tampa in a few months because I'm getting a chance to, or these other leaders are saying the same thing you are. We think this is probably important. We don't know what's out there, what's available, what's P- possible essential what's potential for us what can we do and so they're looking for a way to get their arms around that i was also so the piece that ties those things together i think that the, the conversation around skills is this big like hard to understand thing in some ways because imagine taking every job that any of you have out there listening in here any job that you have in your company and breaking it down into the requisite skills and you start to see oh wow that's super complicated and the thing is humans are not made to understand and consume and analyze that level of detail. We just can't do that. Our brains aren't functioning that, that way. And my own functions I, like a well, way higher level than that. It's like I can't get around it. So AI is the answer to that. It helps to to really pull those things together, to standardize them, to fit them together, look for trends, figure out how they fit together, say, oh, by the way, did you realize these three jobs that seem very disparate actually have 60% overlap and the core skills it takes to get them done. If you're reskilling someone for a job if you're training them up all those kind of things that that gives you a chance to do that that's the part that I've really enjoyed in that conversation is trying to look at the the practical stuff the use cases and that's one of the things that you and I were talking about before we started recording is we're both drawn to the okay that's really cool but what am I going to do with it I've got some a job to solve or I've got a problem to solve today right
0: totally and, and I love what you're saying about this because you're absolutely right like it's really complex when you get down to it. And we take human beings and we are complex creatures and trying to recreate, right? Like, and pinpoint what makes me good in my job by picking three or four skills and then comparing me to 12 other people. You need that level of complexity to start to identify what distinguishes me from the person next to me who's doing the exact same work but we're showing up a little bit differently, right? Like what we, that comes out in this detail. And I think having AI and the, the applicability of that helps and enables that for the very reason that you're raising.
1: Yeah, well, the one of the other things out of that entire session and the entire day, one of the comments in the audience, I'm gonna get it wrong now that I've thought about it and tried to actually recall it. But one of the comments, comments in the audience, everybody's talking about skills in the speaker conversation. And someone mentioned something like about empathy or something like that not being a skill and it's not a skill in the context of it doesn't show up in like any system that's out there right now for the most part it's looking at okay heidi your job is in hr you have to know compliance you have to be able to do recruiting you have to, to like whatever else it doesn't say oh by the way empathy is a skill we're measuring that we can prove that and yet any of us anyone listening here right now if you've ever hired someone that looked great on paper and they get in there and everything, everything's like what is going on here everyone wants to pull their hair out when they work with this person because they don't have any empathy or they don't have any ability to work alongside other people. So it may not be a skill that's easy to measure or track and some of the other, in the bigger world of AI and skills, and everything else, but it does matter. And those sort of soft skills, the human skills that we call them do fit in that bigger picture. And that's one of the big, my big takeaways from that overall thing.
0: Totally agree. It is a differentiating factor in what makes us successful or not. And at the end of the day, I don't care whether you call it as you call it anything you want. Mm-hmm. I care about it for sure.
1: All right. So one of the things I want to ask you was we have other leaders listening in right now, talent leaders, HR leaders, people who are doing this at all kinds of different organizations. And when it comes to developing, growing their people, making sure they prioritize them, I would love to just throw that out to you. Anything that you think should be top of mind for you, any trends or anything that you're watching that you're like, hey, this you've got to be on top of this if you want to be able to serve your people well, if you want to be able to support them to the degree that you want to, anything out there that you're keeping your eyes on.
0: So there are a lot of things, but let's talk about skills because, and especially I'm an HR professional. So I think about these things. I think about people, I think about the talent that we have in the organization and that we need to use. And I talk to managers many times. They say, oh, like, I, I don't, I just don't have the skills that I need here. I need to go outside. And then you say, well, how about someone internally? No, like my team is great, but everybody else's team, right? Like it it isn't. Or like we see people by what they do or like how we interact with them. But they're, you know, even within our own teams, we don't know the skills that we have necessarily, right? Until we ask. And, And it gets even worse when you go outside to other people's teams or to people that you don't know. And there is just, so much potential out there today. And I know that there are a lot of companies out there that have started like tapping into this in terms of different talent marketplaces that look to tap into different skills and other things. I think they're, we're just scratching the surface right now. I think there is so much more hidden opportunity that we haven't even got to with huge far reaching implications, including in the DEA and I space. Hmm.
1: Okay. I've got a couple questions I'll ask you based on that bit there, because <sighs> One of the things we we did in our research this year is we asked candidates that are looking for work. We said, what is the number one way that employers can show respect for you when it comes to hiring process? And they said, I want them to see my potential, number one more than anything else. And for some reason, as you've just pointed out, once we will come into the business, we're like, okay, now forget that potential stuff. Just do your job. Just get to work. And I wonder, what are your thoughts on that? Why are managers either unwilling or unable to see that layer beneath what's what Heidi's job title is now and see what you could be is it because they're just pigeonholing them like we hired you for this and that's what you're going to be is it because subconsciously like actually Heidi's a really good performer I don't want to lose her because then it's going to create another hold in my team like, what do you think are the reasons why managers are either unwilling or unable to acknowledge that that layer deeper of hidden talent that they have
0: yeah, look, I'm, I can't really put my, my, you know, I can't tell you exactly what every manager think, thinks. And I think. can just speak
1: for every manager on the planet, Heidi.
0: Come no, on. I can, let me try to speak for every manager on the planet. <laughs> I think there are probably a lot of factors in this, but look, as an HR professional, I often tell managers, look, when I, you can hire, when you're hiring someone, that's fine. You've got work that you need done and you're going to look for people who can do that job. I think you need to to look beyond that. And as an HR professional, I'm looking beyond that. Because if you're just bringing someone in who can only do that and we don't see anything else for them to do, I think we're doing you a disservice. And I think we're doing the enterprise a disservice and we're doing the individual a disservice. And so I think we always have to be looking at that. But the question of why, look, I have, it's rare. And I say rare, I'm not sure that I've ever met a manager who said I have enough resources and not enough work. What I hear is, oh my God, like we have so much work the burden and workload has gotten even more over the last however many years. Technology, social media, none of this has helped the workload. It's actually making it feel like we're on 24-7. Yes, There's yes. More, and more, right? So like you're so focused on, wow, I now have this resource. Like let's bring them in and just get the work done. I do think there are, there are amazing managers out there who do really think in, in about and do a great job of helping their teams grow and develop and find that next thing. Do I think that there are managers who are talent hoarders who hold on to them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I have seen that as well. But you know what I thought was really interesting. I I've, when I speak to a lot of junior talent, right? We always ask people, "What do you want to do?" and we expect an answer for them. And if we're really honest with ourselves and with others, how many of us really know what we want to do? And then we say, the advice we say, like, go ask your manager. What is your manager? There's an infinite number of jobs out there, right? And they know like the, the little bit about what they do. When I have the open conversation with people and I'm super honest with them and say, oh, what, I've never really known what I want to do. I kind of landed here at my first job. I actually hated it. didn't stay very long, even though that's what I had studied to do and quickly had a switch track. But it's, I feel like it's just, if something's interesting, if I'm learning something new, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. And, and I've just worked my way through. So I have people saying, okay, you know what? That's true. I don't really know what I want to do. What do you think I could or should do? And one of the, I went to HR tech last year and I was actually, I don't know if you've ever been to HR tech. There's mm-hmm. It's huge. It's like super interesting. I need to go if I go with a focus, right? Like what do I want to learn about? And I need to go down that track because otherwise I'm just getting information overload. But I found this one organization that actually they were they they did a, a lot of different things. They play in the skills space and they were showing they've got a product when an employee is applying for a job in your organization. Not only do they show you that job, they also show you like 10 other jobs that you're qualified for today or that you could be qualified for by just developing these like three skills in this job that you're applying for. I love that. What a useful tool for people. I would like that.
1: Yes. One of my favorite sayings is if we don't cast a vision for what Ben's future looks like at the organization, the competition will cast that vision for them when they call about the job opportunity, right? So we've got to help them. If we don't give them something to compete with that, then there's a blank slate up there. And someone else is like, hey, look at all these potential opportunities. Well, wow, I'd love that. We may have those same opportunities right here, but we haven't exposed them to them. We haven't talked about them. We haven't let them know that's possible. All those kinds of barriers that may exist there create some some challenges. So
0: yeah. How many people have you spoken to who have said like the number one reason why I went to company X, Y, or Z was because of all the opportunity and the number one or two reason, usually the number one reason why they leave is because of the manager. The number two reason why they leave is lack of opportunity. And you know what? It's because that company hasn't done a good job. Like you said, of helping that person see what that opportunity is and could be and helping them, you know, achieve it, realize it.
1: There's a company based here in Huntsville, Alabama, where I am, and they were ranked the number one mid-sized company to work for in the U.S. for several years. And one of the things that one of their hiring practices was we hire people who are Swiss Army Knives, people who we can adapt and who are willing to adapt into this role, that role, depending on what the situation demands. We don't want someone that's just to do this and then we've got to either throw you away or you're going to, have to leave and find something else. Like We want you to be able to move something else. We don't hire you for this just immediate term. And I think it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago, where we are, when people come in, usually if we're open about that as employers, like this is what you have, but there's also other opportunities here. We want to see you be successful, whichever direction you want to go. We want to partner with you along that journey. That creates a really fun conversation for people. Even if they're like, I don't know yet what I want to do. That's fine. A lot of us took jobs that were like, oh, wow, this is great. That's not so great. And you start hopefully narrowing your focus over time and directing it towards the work or the kind of company or the kind of leader you work for, all those things influence that.
0: Totally. I got to tell you some of the best HR people I ever worked with did not have HR backgrounds. Mm -hmm. They came from marketing or operations or finance or the movie industry or fill in the blank. It's like amazing. And there's just, I always say what makes people good a lot of times it's what they've learned and how they apply those learnings. And I always say, like, I love TED Talks. For me, I just, I, I, I love, well, I love that they're short and quick and you go in and you learn something new, but I make it a point to go in and watch something that is totally outside of my realm of knowledge, just so I can learn something new and the adjacencies that I always find are amazing. I watched one where there was some woman who was like knitting the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and like, it was like this, and I walked away with like five ideas that I could apply, like back in my own job. And I feel like when you're just like so super narrow and focused in one area, you kind of lose that perspective and, and, and you kind of get stuck in in the grind. I, I need that. Right. And, and I think that you get that with when you have folks who are really like learning and growing and trying new things and um, crossing over.
1: I love that you shared that piece because I do the same kind of thing. I'll listen to something that's outside of our bubble completely. I actually don't listen to that many podcasts in the HR world at all. I listen to things outside that because I always find something like, oh, I could adapt that and that fits here or that solves the same problem, but no one else has any idea about it because they're all just focusing on the problem instead of looking for other types of things. One of my, one of the people who I followed back in my early career, does a lot of career advice, things like that. One of their key things was, your passion doesn't find you on the couch, right? You're not sitting there thinking, oh, you know what I really wanted to do? HR. Like that, most people, that doesn't happen. For me, it sort of did, but that's a weird and very different story. For most people, it's I'm doing, I'm testing, I'm experimenting. I'm, And then you find the thing that you start to run across and like, oh, I did enjoy that. I want to go back to that more. You start, as I said, sort of sculpting that. There's a book, I can't remember what, the, what the title is here on my shelf somewhere, but it talks about job sculpting and sculpting that down to the kind of things that fit Ben or fit Heidi the best so that our strengths are really played up in the work we do instead of it being, okay, I get to spend 20% of my job doing things that really bring out my best and 80% is just like drudge and grunt work and just biding my time to get to do the other 20% again. So,
0: okay. I love that you said that because actually, I, I think we're confused about passion. I think people think like you're born with it and it's you know it and like the things that you love doing are the things that you should do in your career. I don't think that's true. It's something that once in a while that works out. But actually, I think passion is something that you find and discover, right? You, you, Like you said, you try something, you taste it, you get a little test for it, you start to get good at it, you realize that you like it and it, it becomes a passion. I think there are a lot of jobs out there where you're like, wow, how did that, why that person seems to love it, but like, really? And it, it's, you're not born. I mean, let me tell you something. When I was growing up, the last thing I wanted to do was be an HR professional at the time it was like personnel. Quite frankly, I shouldn't admit that, but it's true. And yet here I am. And I love, I love being in HR, but I had to discover that.
1: Yeah. One of the other, not to be too meta about this conversation, but one of the yeah. other things I've noticed is that a lot of people who are like, Oh, you work in HR? Like you're kind of the side eye, or like that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's because they've had a bad experience, and that's all they can see. Like, oh, you're the that kind of person. You're like, no, no, wait a minute. There's a whole spectrum here, just like there's in any job, and like, like the salesperson who's friendly and nice and helpful versus the salesperson who's like slimy car salesman. Like, there's that's that's a yeah. spectrum, just like HR is a spectrum. Saying, hey, no, did I say no? Oh, and by the way, no. So it's the answer <laughs> to every question, and those that say. Hey, that's a really great question. Let's find a way to make that happen because I think that really that would be be best for everybody, right? There's a whole spectrum there.
0: And what I love about HR is that it's—I mean, it is—it's about people and organizations and leadership and how things come together. And like, it's there is so much room for creativity. I am a creative person, and people always look at me like, "How did you end up in HR?" I'm like. It's why I'm in HR, right? Like it, I, every day is something different. It's something new. It, it, that, even this whole conversation we're having, right? Even mm-hmm. the skills, like that, there, there is so much to be discovered. And I love that. I need to be learning something new all the time.
1: Well, that's what's fun for me is I'm thinking back through this thread of the conversation so far. So everybody's listening to us like stream of consciousness go through this, but like <laughs> we talked about a minute ago, there are skills like passion, creative passion not really skill but right your intensity your creativity your curiosity all those things are tough to measure they're hard to actually predict and understand and and say oh this type of job this person's likely to have a lot of those things like we might look at other skills like oh they got to do creative writing or whatever else but we don't say that many jobs that require these other things but as i was telling you before we started i've the the first book i wrote on ai i talk in the last chapter about the human skills of work and those are compassion critical thinking, curiosity, creativity, like those things that set us apart from any sort of algorithm or computer or software. And that's great because that's what we were, were naturally able to do. And if anyone out there is listening in to this today, I hope that you're getting a takeaway, listening to Heidi over there, being all bright and shiny and fun, talking about the importance of building out the, that passion, thinking about how your creativity is, a, is an edge in the future of work and the kind of things you could be doing. Think about this curiosity piece saying, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen if I try to change this recipe a little bit, throw this in there and find out. Like those things may seem like little side park parts of who you are, but that fits into how you work too and how you get your job done and how you work with others around you. And that's a strength I would consider.
0: I totally agree. And the interesting thing for me is I think those are assets in all, like any job you could yes. do. Yes. And they really, it they are differentiators to me in anything right like pick the person that you want the person who's super passionate who's empathetic who's compassionate who's super curious or the one who is totally shut down boring doesn't like is, is mean even like they could be doing the same kind of work I, I don't know about you I want the former yes
1: yes <laughs> goodness okay so I've enjoyed this so much I want to like ask you 50 other things I think the only other call out I was going to make based on some of your comments earlier is you talked about the hidden talent piece. And I think my takeaway from that, when you were sharing that is those leaders that do want to build their teams, do want to create the best outcomes. Like they want to build in their team, but they want performance too. And if you want that, you have to, right. You can't build your people if you can't find what talents they have. So be willing. If you're listening into this or you're trying to figure out how to help your managers do some of this stuff and get practical today, Make sure your managers are asking people, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? What kind of work brings out your best? And they should be looking for those things. And when they see that stuff, try to give that person more of that type of work. It's going to bring out all their best creativity. It's going to make them more happy in their work, more satisfied. And we get the benefit of having someone who's incredible doing those things or recognizing their strengths at the same time. It's kind of a combination of all good things. I don't like the word synergy, but synergy probably fits there. So all the good things layered on top of each other.
0: Well, well, I, and I love that I, you have to give people the opportunity to do things that they haven't mm-hmm. done before. And yes. I, I, you may have heard me say this before because I seem to recall saying something about this when we were together on the panel, but it is amazing to me how everybody is way too busy At work, like they don't have one ounce of time left, one second of time left to do anything within the context of their job. But when it's something new, interesting that they're passionate about or interested in, all of a sudden they have all the time in the world and we've got something, you know, in my organization where we are able to like because we don't always get the headcount for all the work that we do, but we do have the ability to post like assignments or projects Mm -hmm. and anyone in the organization can really uh, raise their hand and say, yeah, I'd like to do it. And I can't tell you like, how many people tap into that? I've done it right there. Like so I saw something, I thought it was kind of cool. And I said, Ooh, I'd like to, to, to even, I'm a senior role. Like I'd like to play at that, but I've also leveraged people that way. And when I go back many times to the manager, I've got one person who's working with me right now on something that she had never really done before when she reached out and said she was interested. I was like, great, like, l- let's do it. I spoke to her manager and the manager was like, really, Well, okay, <laughs> but uh, go ahead, right? And even the manager has said to me, wow, I never knew like this person and, and this person now I've been levered to this person in lots of different ways. And you just quiet behind the scenes before. And now it's facilitating large meeting with meetings with hundreds of people. And people are like, they're like, where did you come from? You're amazing. Right? Like, and this was because someone like raised their hand for something and discovered joy, skills, passion that they never even knew that they had. And it's amazing. Amazing.
1: That's one of the things we see on our, we did some research on internal mobility last year and talent marketplaces, those sorts of concepts. And the thing we found, we actually asked the workforce, if you had an opportunity to do that kind of thing, like raise your hand, try something else, why would you do that? Three of the big reasons were developing new skills, try, getting to try something I can't in my normal job, being able to hone and really emphasize a strength that I already have, or being able to test out other kinds of jobs without risking everything. If it's like a full move to another job, I'm like, oh, wow, this is not what I thought it was. I hate this. That, then there's no way to save face. They've got to leave pretty much to be able to do that. There's no way to rewind that and back up. And so that, that lets them sort of sample the other jobs and understand what they like, what they don't like, and then decide what they want to do next eventually. And so it's really incredible. I love that story.
0: And it works the other way as well. I can't tell you how many managers meet and start working with someone, and the second they have an opening on their job, immediately they're like, "That's who I want." Yep,
1: yep. Come on over. I've heard it opens
0: up opportunities on all sides, which is a try
1: before you buy. There you go. Totally. Excellent. Okay, man. Okay, so I've enjoyed this so much. I've gotten some good takeaways, some great ideas from this. I know everybody else probably like had a blast listening to us talk about the passion piece and some of the other components, and we still somehow wrapped it back into like HR stuff at the very end. Look at you, okay. you're so masterful. <laughs> All right. So if someone says, I love this conversation, I've got to have some more Heidi. Are you okay with them reaching out, connecting with you on LinkedIn?
0: Totally. My name, my LinkedIn name is Heidi Ramirez Perloff. So yeah.
1: I'll, I'll make sure and get that into the show notes so anyone can click right over. Please don't just spam her ping her and say hey I heard you on the podcast you were incredible and amazing and throwing a couple other superlatives while you're at it because she certainly (laughs) was all kidding aside you've been wonderful I appreciate the time that you spent with me here and sharing with the audience giving them some encouragement too I love the fact that I have someone who's a senior HR leader at a at an incredible company and instead of talking just HR strategy and all the nuts and bolts stuff it came back to like we're all humans still at the end of the day and we care about passions. We want to do work that feels like it it's meaningful to us. and really matters to, to what we bring to the table. And I love that the conversation with steer that way. So thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you.
0: Thanks for having me. A lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. To everybody else out there, hope you enjoyed it. Got some good notes and takeaways. Go out there and explore, discover your passion. It's not going to find you. And we'll catch you next time on We're Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit onlyhumanshow.com.